Well, today, uh, we're actually going to wrap up the amazing message as uh, we have one more part of the Christmas story we have to tell, and that is the manger scene, correct? The magi are going to show up, the wise guys, or as the, the Jewish guys like to say, the wise men, they come up, they see the baby Jesus. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the manger scene. And uh, you may learn something new that you didn't know before. We're going to talk a little bit about timelines. And of course, we're going to see the, what I believe is fifth and sixth angelic visit of this whole Christmas story. We're going to be in Matthew 2, Luke 2, and take a quick trip to Leviticus 12. During these uh, last few weeks, we've had four angelic visits. The first was to Zechariah the priest, who would become John the Baptist's father. The second to Mary, the mother of Jesus. The third to the man who would become Mary's husband, Joseph. The fourth to the shepherds, who would be among the first to herald the baby's king's arrival. And today we'll learn of the fifth and sixth angelic visits. Not only will we be a part of two more visits, but we may also get a new view of the manger scene. We'll also once again see how the Lord fulfills Philippians 4.19, which says, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Amen? So let us start in chapter 2 of Matthew. I think we're reading down through verse 9, uh, no, down through verse 11, 2, 1 through 11. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the Days of King Herod, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child, and when you had found him, bring word back to me that I might come and worship him also. When he heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced in with exceedingly great joy. Then when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Amen. In the first two verses here, we see that the magi, or the wise men, come looking for this new king of the Jews. These men were probably scholars from Babylonia or Persia, who had seen the rising of a star which was significant for the new king or someone important to be born. Many think that it may have been what we now call the Bethlehem star, 
where multiple planets were aligning at that time, and it gave the impression of a bright star. This would have happened at about April 17th, 6 BC. Now, if you really want an interesting look about the Bethlehem star, Rick Larson uh, takes the view of Jew Roman and Jewish historians, the visions of ancient prophets, and a modern-day study of celestial objects, and he takes a look at all this, and he's put it together, and you can find this at a website called Bethlehemstar.com. It's sort of a documentary on the Bethlehem Star, and if you've never watched it, it's worth watching. You should go and see it. It's once again a mystery of God, but what we know is it was seen, and it appeared in a fashion that these men recognized it through various prophecies concerning the birth of this new king. So where... Do they go to look for this new king of the Jews? Well, they go to Jerusalem, of course. But what did they find? They didn't find a new king of the Jews. They found a king that wasn't even a Jew. That was King Herod. And even more surprising is that they knew nothing of what it was going on. He didn't know anything about the birth of this new king. As a matter of fact, in verse 3, it says he was troubled. Well, Dr. Sproul in his dissertation says, this phrase is better translated, Herod was terrified. Why? Because he had ruled over Jerusalem for over 35 years, and he killed anybody that got in his way for that rule. He actually had 10 different wives, some he married so that he might gain better political influence, and the many he had killed. So now here's a man who just was told that someone was coming to threaten his rule, his crown. So he was greatly alarmed. And when the king was in distress, the city was in distress because Herod was a very bloody ruler. And we are about to find out just how far he'd go to protect his rule. Herod called his Jewish priests and scribes together and asked, where's this king to be born? And they told him, according to the prophets in Bethlehem. But before he sends the wise men on their way, he tells them this. He says, when Herod had secretly called the wise men and determined from them what time the star appeared, what time or how long ago did the star appear, he asked. He says because he wanted to go and worship the baby also, or this new king. This becomes an important question when we come to understand when the wise men find Jesus, as well as its importance to the gifts they bring. Verse 9 says, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over a place where the child was born. So a couple of things here. So they headed off from Bethlehem, then something astonishing happens. We know that because the word is used, behold. So you don't just behold, right? I mean, if something's going to happen, oh, guess what happened to me yesterday? But if it's something amazing, it's like, behold, you're not going to believe what happened to me yesterday. That's what they said. Behold, the star rose again. Based on the verbiage, it would probably be safe to say that the second star was a supernatural manifestation. The second star was a behold. It says it actually went before them. So they have this star, the celestial star that they see that leads them towards Jerusalem. Okay, they get there, they speak to the king, they find out approximately where this baby is supposed to be, they come out of the palace, and then all of a sudden, behold, 
another star or a star that actually leads them. And then, then it says it comes to rest. It stopped and stood over, came to rest where the young child was. So I would think that we could be safe to say there were possibly two separate stars, this supernatural light to lead the lost to the Savior of the world. And how apropos, we read in John 8, Jesus says to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So where was this young child? Now, isn't he supposed to be lying in the hay in a manger? I mean, that's what we see, right? That's what society tells us. He's still hanging out in a manger with the wise men when they come to see him. But that's not the biblical truth of it, is it? No. It says here that's not what it says at all. You see, when it talked about a baby in a manger, it used the phrase phadion, which is used, well, let me get this right. It, it, it was brief os, which is a babe and an infant that was found by the shepherds. But the term used when it was found by the wise men was phadion, which is used, which means a young child. So he was a baby. Now he is a young child by the time that the wise men come. Also, he was in a manger, correct? That the shepherds found him in a manger, which we now know probably was the tower of the flock. But here it says he's in a house. So they have moved. They moved out of from where he was born, they found residency, and they're living in a house, and the baby has grown into a child. Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus have moved out into this house, so how old was the baby king? Hmm, good question. Did you ever think about that? Maybe that's just me. I wonder about these things. You know, how old was Jesus when the wise men showed up? Well, it turns out that the Bible gives us a pretty good idea of just how old he was. There's a couple of places, okay? The first one, we have to go back to Luke, the second chapter, we find some clues, as well as we find clues to a mystery concerning the gifts that were brought. In Luke 2, verses 21 through 23, it says, at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given to him by the angel when he was conceived in the womb. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb should be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what it says in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Amen. Now, we know Jesus made it to eight days because he was circumcised, but what's this time of purification? Well, we have to go to Leviticus to find that out. Leviticus 12 and 4 says, She shall then continue in the blood of her purification 33 days. She shall not touch any hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled. So, for all you mathematicians, we have seven days, right, before Jesus was circumcised. Then we have 33 days of the purification. Okay? So, the baby at this point has to be at least 40 days old or about six weeks, correct? We have about a six-week-old baby at that time. Now let's put that number with the sacrifices that they brought. Look down in verse 6. When the days of her purification are fulfilled, whether for a son or a daughter, she shall bring to the priest a lamb. Did she bring a lamb? She didn't? 
So what? Jesus came and this first act was to defy the law of the Lord? I don't think so. No, it doesn't make any sense. It says, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove as a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. But verse 8 says, if she is not able to bring a lamb, then she may bring two turtle doves or two pigeons, one as a burnt offering and one as a sin offering, so the chief, might, or the chief priest might make atonement for her and she will be clean. So, now I want to go back to Matthew verse 11 because I want to tie together the gifts and the age. Matthew and verse 11. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child. So now they're in a house and it is a child. Baby Jesus is a child. With Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So what do you give a king as a gift. Gold, right? Isn't that right, lady? It's the one gift that you can never go wrong. Yeah, One of the reasons I married my wife is she likes silver rather than gold. I thought, this is going to be a cheap date for the rest of my life. <laughs> it is the gift of royalty, just like today when gold was of great monetary value. Frankincense, the gift of a priest. Hebrews 4 says, since you have given a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith. The term frankincense is a term used for the most purest of incense. So there's incense, and then there's frankincense. It's not the type of incense that you light up in the house to cover a musty smell or, you know, that you would drop on the little, uh, you know, uh, Christmas tree foam things in front of your air conditioner in the car, you know, when they were heading off to Bethlehem, you know, Mary didn't go, Joseph, will you put a little frankincense on this donkey's butt? He's real feeling kind of rude today. No, that wouldn't have happened, okay? Frankincense was a pure incense. In the book of Exodus, we are told that you gather these fragrant spices, resin droplets, mullock shells, goblin, mix these fragrant spices with pure frankincense, Okay? And you must treat this incense as most holy. Never use this formula to make incense for yourself. It is reserved for the Lord, and you must treat it as holy. It is the incense that would have been burnt in the temple in the Holy of Holies. It was the smell of purity, very, it in, and in its very nature, valuable. The gift of myrrh was given, a gift of humanity, it being another fragrance, but it was more. It was used as a medicine. It was used as a painkiller. It was mixed with other spices to adorn the dead as they were prepared for burial. There's probably a very good message in there how one of the first things offered in Jesus' life was one of the very last things as well, this myrrh. <clears throat> Once again, it was something of value. So we have gold, which is of monetary value. We have pure incense, which is of monetary value. We have myrrh, which is of monetary value. The book of Leviticus says, if the woman could not afford a lamb, then two pigeons and a turtle dove would do. So for all practical purposes, Joseph and Mary, after the visit of the Magi, were loaded, right? They were flush with cash, as it were. So would they have given two turtle doves? No, they'd have got a lamb, wouldn't they? So we know that the Magi came after this 40 days. We can safely say that. There's one other clue as to how old 
the child Jesus would have been upon their visit. It was when King Herod asked when they first saw the star. And back in Matthew, let's read verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they, the wise men, should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Down to verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. He sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in that region who were two years old and under. You can't even imagine that. I mean, what kind of person would do that? But there he was. So he knows he's got this time frame laid out for him that he figures this child, if he kills everyone who's at least two years old, he's going to get this new king, right? So when we put together the dates that we have for the offerings, we know that this child is somewhere probably between maybe six months and a year, less than two. Here's another thing. Just, I mean, just, this is just me. Everybody knows what two-year-olds are right, like, right? Which of you are going to come and worship a two-year-old? Not going to happen, is it? There isn't a two-year-old in the world. You know why they, they say it's terrible twos, right? Because if we knew how bad they were at three, we'd kill our kids at two, just like Eric. So he wasn't two. So he had to have been under two, somewhere between around six months to a year is probably what baby Jesus was. And he was living in a house. And the shepherds or the magi show up with all of these great gifts. Then what was fulfilled was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, a voice heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. It is truly a terror beyond comprehension. And it shows the ruthlessness of Herod and how our adversary, the devil, works to influence others. You can bet he was being influenced by our adversary. So now we have a good idea of how old the baby Jesus was. <clears throat> and now we look down at verse 13. It says, Now when they, being the wise men, had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Jesus, to Joseph in a dream. That's the fifth angelic visit, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, stay there until I bring word for you, because Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. He arose. He took the child, his mother, by night and departed for Egypt. Was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, out of Egypt I call my son. Then down in verse 19, when Herod was dead, an angel of the Lord appeared, the sixth angelic angel visit, in a dream to Joseph, saying, Arise, take the child, his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who shot, sought the child's life were dead. He arose, took the young child, his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus, Arch, yeah, that guy, was reigning over Judah, instead of his father Herod, he was afraid. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside to the region of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Amen. Now, let me ask you a couple questions. We know that all of these things that were given to him were given because of his priestlyhood, because of his kingship, because of the fact that he was born to die. But let me ask you this. Have you ever moved from one home to another? Right? Have you ever moved out of state? 
How many people have had to move from one country to another? All right. Now, it's a difficult thing to do, isn't it? Now, consider this. How many of you, when you went to move, had to flee? Don't answer that. We're being recorded in case the law enforcement's listening. Okay? So, but think about it. You had to flee. I mean, you had to go right now. Right? Huh. I love this about the Lord. He had to flee from Nazareth to Bethlehem, from Bethlehem to Egypt, from Egypt back to Nazareth. What Joseph needed for his family was international monetary funds. He didn't have an ATM. He didn't have traveler's checks. He didn't have that gal going, what's in your wallet? Okay? He didn't have any of that. But what he needed was money for two years at least to get him into Egypt and then back as well to buy lodging, to buy homes, to start a business, to provide for a child and a wife. The Lord had some deep theological meanings behind these gifts, but there was a practical meaning and it was clear. God was the God of provision. God provided traveling money for his son and his parents. Philippians 4 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory for and ever and ever. Amen. And that's the lesson we can learn from today about what happened with the baby Jesus. Okay? So now when you go and look at the major scene, it doesn't mean you need to go move all the wise men. Okay? We need to build a house and put the baby Jesus in it. Okay? But you need to know that in all this, it was God's plan. All those moves, all that stuff was to fulfill all the prophecies that was set. And God is a God of provision. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, our prayer this day is for the coming year. Lord, may we be a blessing to others as you continuously bless us. Lord, you are our God and you will supply every need according to your riches in Christ Jesus. Lord, may you bless us and keep us. May your face shine upon us and be gracious to us. And may you lift up your countenance upon us and give us peace. And the church said, amen and amen.